Welcome to the Detroit Lions News Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Chap, along with my co-host, Tyler. Yo, yo, what's up? Tyler, there's a lot to talk about today. I think we just oh, yeah. jump right into it with the news of the day. The Lions are the betting favorite for Lamar Jackson. And I, I, I'm i going to – we had some sparring matches about this before where I, I think we were about to fist fight each other over Lamar Jackson and Jared Goff. And, like – I think Lamar Jackson is an, a fantastic football player. I love him to pieces. I think he's a great player. Quarterback, I'm not too sure of because, like, he can throw the deep ball as good as anybody. But there's a short pass is that he will just underthrow or overthrow, and sometimes it's a little erratic. doesn't matter. He's a great running. He's a great running quarterback. And, like, you look at him and you're like, this guy was a former league MVP. He's a great player. But then you look at the last two years and you go – He's missed nine games in two years. Um, he has uh, – obviously, he being a running quarterback, like if you sign him to a seven-year deal, your that end of the deal is going to be absolutely horrible, kind of like the Cam Newton effect to a certain extent. Because, like, once the running can subside, you're screwed because, like, they have to be good passing. That's one of the reasons I think, like, with Jalen Hurts, with, if the Eagles give him a contract extension – it won't hurt as bad because Jalen Hurts is actually a pretty good passer. But, like, if you're a guy like Lamar Jackson or you're a guy like whatever, whatever running quarterback we've seen in the last, like, 20 years, once that running game kind of goes, their career just kind of declines. Yeah, I mean, and I and I actually do. I do think Lamar Jackson is uh, underrated to a certain extent as a passer. I mean, he led the league in touchdowns a couple years ago, and his receiving core. See, it's hard to it's hard to actually judge him as a passer because the Ravens front office is one of the most horrible front offices when it comes to surrounding your quarterback with efficient offensive talent, especially at receiver. I mean, dude, when you're like your franchise, your best receivers in franchise history are an old ass Anquan Bolden, an old ass Steve Smith, and Derek Mason. Um, I mean, that's tough. Um, I, but so I do think Lamar's, you know, he's a good, he's a good quarterback, good player, a little bit underrated as a passer, but I do see where he can probably have some accuracy issues. That's not really the huge concern. And I don't really think the talent's the concern for you either. Um, but what the issue is, is with the non-exclusive rights tag for, um, that he was, that was placed on him. We'd have to give up two first round picks, meaning the 18th overall pick this year and next year's first round pick. Yep. And we'd have to instantly give him, I would say I'm hearing rumors of 250 million guaranteed that he wants, but I'm going to say you're going to have to at least at some, uh, you're going to have to start at, at least 200 million in guarantees. Oh so not only do you got to give up two first, you got to find what to do with golf and you got to pay this guy $200 million. I just, I don't see it happening. And I mean, for some teams, someone will do it or, or, you know, maybe Lamar will come down on, and what, you know, what he's asking for, if he sees the open market, doesn't support it. But for the lions, I just, I don't see it being smart or plausible right now. And I don't think Brad Holmes is the type of guy to, to, to make this kind of move in, in a, in a good way. I, I don't think he's Bob, Bob Quinn would have done it. Yeah. No, you know, Lamar Jackson, like, you know, one of the things that you would say, like, if you looked at Lamar Jackson, you could go, okay, if he came to this team, he'd actually have, like, weapons, right? He'd have, he'd have Jameson Williams, he'd have St. Brown, he'd have tight ends who can catch, a good offensive line, which he already had in Baltimore, but he would have a better wide receiving core in Detroit. But, like, you look at it and you go, if you sign Lamar Jackson tomorrow, or when the free agency opens, and you give him the two first-round picks, and you give him the money like you got to realize like you're not going to shore up that defense like you want to you know one of the things that baltimore does really really good you said they don't draft wide receivers good and that's true i like rashad i like i liked rashad bateman coming out but you know he's been a little hit or miss but mark andrews is one of the best tight ends in the league but like you look at that baltimore ravens team the reason they're successful it isn't lamar jackson as good as he is he is fantastic but it's that defense that defense has been the hallmark of the baltimore ravens since they started that franchise 
It started with Ray Lewis, and then it went to Patrick Suggs, and now it's with Marlon Humphrey. Like they always got a dog in that 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 defense. Like there's always a dog. There has never been a time where you looked at the Ravens D and go, "Oh, they're soft." Like you look at the Ravens D and you're like, "Holy hell, that's gonna be a tough defense to play." I mean, even they got like Judon, and, and well, they had Judon before, but then he went to New uh, New England. But they've got so many guys in that on that defense here. Like holy hell, like. Half the league is yeah. half the league is littered with former Baltimore Ravens defenders because that's what they do. They draft defense really good, and last year they drafted Kyle Hamilton, which he's gonna be a stud. But it's and Kyle Hamilton, Patrick Queen. I mean, yep. you know they had guys. They like you said, they have guys coming in and out. They got guys like you know, um, you know Earl Thomas coming in and out. You got Zadarius Smith. You got you know all these these uh, linebackers that are coming. I mean, they're deep, you're right. Their defense is always good every year. Um, and that's what obviously I want clients to do is kind of build. Yeah, I mean you're cutting out a little bit, but like you don't. The Baltimore Ravens, the one thing that they do really, really well is they just find guys to put on the defense, and that's what they do. I don't think. Can you hear me a little better now? Yeah. Okay. I don't think that. Um, I, I'm. It listen. It's crazy because I. People are like, well, they gave Deshaun Watson $230 million guaranteed or $250 guaranteed or $230, whatever. They gave all this money to Kyler Murray. I don't think it's a matter of fact of, like, they did this for them but not for Lamar. I think the rest of the league is, A, they're they're learning from those mistakes because they see how much they strangle a team. Yeah. And, B, those teams are outliers, and the rest of the league is pissed off at them. Dude, people were very pissed off at Jimmy Haslam. Yep. For giving Deshaun Watson a fully guaranteed two hundred thirty million dollar deal, well, people were not very happy with Arizona for giving Kyler that kind of money because they were going to reset the market when those guys don't really deserve to have the market reset. If you told me that a guy like Patrick Mahomes reset the market or Joe Burrow reset the market, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, fine. When you tell me Deshaun Watson and Kyler Murray reset the quarterback market, we have an issue because. First of all, I, I don't care what anybody says. I know Deshaun Watson has a, you know, he's he's not a great person, to be honest. But he is a pretty good quarterback. Right. But he's been out of the league, and they gave him that extension based on, just based on hope that he would be the same quarterback. Dude, he was. They, they gave a guy who hadn't played in two years with 22 sexual misconduct allegations, and they gave this dude a $230 million bag, which was like 50 more million guaranteed than any contract in NFL history. It's it's insane because wow. listen, wow! If you, if you want to start giving guaranteed money to these quarterbacks, um, you're gonna be in a world of hurt, because to be honest, like this is the one position that you can't really guarantee money at because of the the possibility of injuries. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. Even I don't I don't even think I think Mahomes only got like what two hundred and two hundred and ten million guaranteed. I think it was like eighty five percent was guaranteed, but like they did such a good part, like they they basically gave ownership in like a the, the Kansas City Royals, like so. <laughs> I mean, he got taken care of, so he did. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, the, the that's the crazy thing is, man, is people like we we kind of joke and say the cap is a myth and that the cap isn't real, and other people, well, well, yeah, well, how do you explain the the Bucks and and the Saints and this and that? And it's like, look, there are teams that are better. Better at manipulating it. And there are teams that are not so good last at manipulating year, it. Last year, the the Saints were going going into the off season. They were eighty million dollars in the hole at cap space, and they somehow yeah. they somehow found the money to keep all the the guys that they had on the roster. Yeah, I mean that. Like like I said, that there's if there's a will, there's a way. I mean, dude, the Packers were out of completely. They were like twenty million in the hole. They just gave Rodgers a straight up bag. And all of a sudden they like, and they gave Preston Smith a contract, and all of a sudden they had money. It's like, how the hell does that work? You know, you, the, the, you, can, you can get you can, creative. You can find money. These cap guys that are getting paid the big bucks to make manufacture room for the cap space, they're great. I mean, obviously that's what you need. Like, you know, the Lions have Mike Disner as, as their cap guy. Is he is he is he pretty well respected or? Yeah, he's pretty well pretty well respected. He's actually bridging the gap between Calvin Johnson and the Lions. Nice. So that's pretty cool, but like, that's what you want out of a cap guy—a guy who can find the room, can manufacture the room for the cap space, and and get you guys. And like, I remember L.A. with when they were run on their run to the Super Bowl, they had like three million dollars of cap space, 
and suddenly they came up with the money for Von Miller. It's like, okay, this is this is proof positive that you, <laughs> that you don't need any. You could find cap it cap money out of its thin air. You know, you can find it anywhere you want. Yep. But, but in yeah, terms, but of- yeah, man, I just I, I I like look, dude. You you pay golf. You're paying golf 30, 30 to thirty five million right now. Um, you're not in a super rush to re-sign him because I, I feel like we're kind of like writing it out, right? We kind of ma- waiting to make that decision. He can be eligible for an extension at any time, really. Um, uh, but they're kind of riding it out, letting him play his contract out, which I think is a smart idea. But do you want to go from paying golf? 30 or 35 million to immediately paying Lamar Jackson 50 million. No, no not the, not the, know. not the state that this team is not in the position that this team is. No. If we were one piece away and we didn't have a guy like Jared Goff, like let's say we didn't have Jared Goff. We had Jameis Winston or we had, um, you know, name a quarterback. Like, 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 say, like say we got extra picks for the Stafford trade and we ended up like, right. We ended up with a guy like a bridge gap, like, you know, Sudfeld or, you yeah. know, Sam Darnold or Bridgewater or, right. you know, yeah. whatever. That's when you make the move. But when you have a guy like Jared Goff, who literally was one of the best, one of the better quarterbacks in the NFC last year, statistics. Absolutely. And you can even make the case going into 2023 that you might have the second best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, NFC next to Jalen Hurts. You can make that case. I mean, yeah, definitely. People can say Dak, Dak Prescott, but okay. Dude, the NFC is very ass at quarterback right now. The NFC is is pretty bad at quarterbacks. I I'm I'm a little bit floored because like you thought at, at a moment's notice that like maybe like maybe the NFC would be getting better because but like when you look at the the playoffs like Brock Purdy was starting for San Francisco. You had um Daniel Jones in New York, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota. I mean, the best quarterback easily was Jalen Hurts, and then you could say Dak Prescott in the playoffs and everything, but that's that was it. I mean, Geno Smith somehow got some a team to the playoff, and he got paid for it too. I know, isn't that crazy? So yeah, that so that's like more of like so I find that interesting too because um, there are some guys that kind of like re like you know there's obviously guys that reset the market with Big Bank every year, but they also like. There's guys that are important because they also kind of like bring back things down to reality. One contract I did think was important for the future of our contracts and like how, how things look was the Derek Carr contract. Yeah. Um, I think, I think so. There's a lot of varying opinions on Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr is a good quarterback. Um, I think that's a perfect place for him to be. Honest. I think that he, there's, he's probably overrated in some ways by his own fans like Vegas. But I also feel like around the league as a whole in general, I feel like there's a lot of ways that Derek Carr is underrated too. Yeah. Um, because he's not – I mean, he's – outside of, like, Devontae Adams for one year, I mean, he – in Darren Waller, he's never really had, like, outstanding receiver options, and he's always had a carousel of coaches yeah, and I mean, a carousel of coordinators, and their had, defense is super sus besides a couple key guys. He's never had a, court, a coach that he can actually, like, rely on, you know what I'm He's saying? never really had a team. Like, he's, like – I mean, yeah, you could say, like, Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, Henry Renfro. Like, those are all solid pieces. But, like, dude, there's a lot of teams out there that that uh, have, I mean, let's just say they're not, like, it's not like they're top, they're top 10 or top 15 in the talent department on offense. I mean, with the addition of De- Devontae Adams, that definitely changed things. Um, but, I mean, rocking with, like, Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro. Uh, yeah. I mean, Darren, Hall- Darren Waller was hurt, so you got backup tight ends, and then you got, like, yeah, no. I mean, his, his offense was never mind-boggling. Yeah, I think but, the, I think New Orleans. The, I think New Orleans is a perfect spot for him. Yeah. To be honest, you know. Yeah, I think so too. But uh, you know, his contract it was what it was. It was what four years, one hundred and fifty. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that that's that, I like that. That's that's not bad because you know that's kind of a baseline you can go off. And now I do think the Giants overpaid for Daniel Jones. Oh, they 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 totally overpaid. But but in the same retrospect, Daniel Jones had all the leverage. Yeah, he did. But the way he they, performed, they made it to the playoffs. Yep. He can he can perform on his well with his legs. He they're in a position now where it's like we have we know what we have and we know we can build on this. Like you don't necessarily want to go back through the draft again and, and rebuild again when you're kind of like you kind of found some of your guys. You know what I yeah. mean? So and they tag Saquon. So it's like, dude, like if it wasn't Daniel Jones, 
then then who would it be? You'd have to you'd have to take a flyer on a high risk, high reward guy in the draft. And I mean, what if he falls flat on his ass? Or like like we talked about before, it's, and and like Brad Holmes said, it's much easier to get worse at quarterback than it is to get better. Yeah. And sometimes you gotta open up the pocketbook and say. All right, we're, we're son of a you. bitch. Yeah, we're gonna pay you. Fuck it. I don't want to pay. You know, I don't want to pay you 160 million, but shit, I kind of have to. Well, that's gonna, know, that's, like, that's gonna lead us to our next conversation because, and then we're gonna get to the mock draft because that's one that people like a lot. But I'm gonna ask you something, Tyler, in terms of golf and how it ties to Daniel Jones and Derek Carr, and we're gonna get to that next on the Detroit Lions News podcast. Carr touchdown, Detroit Lions. They did it. All right, welcome back to the Detroit Lions News Podcast. Obviously, Tyler blended the one that we were going to talk about with Daniel Jones and Derek Carr, the contracts. But I got a specific question relating to the Lions, uh, Tyler, and it's very simple. What would it take to give Jared Goff an extension? And what would it take for the Lions to – next year's quarterback draft is loaded. It is absolutely loaded. We're talking about maybe eight to nine deep of good quarterbacks. What would it take for Jared Goff to be the guy that you give the extension to? And what would it also take for Goff to not get the extension and you to draft a quarterback next year? Yeah, so I'll give my kind of perspective and my numbers, and then I'd love to hear kind of from you and what you're thinking. But I'll I'll, I'll start this off. So. There's two sides to look at this. I think there's a number that the Lions would want and have in mind and prefer. And there may be a number that Jared Goff might have in mind and his agent. So what what would I think? What would I be comfortable with as a maximum? I'm saying, look, if he, if he something similar, kind of similar to, to Daniel Jones, Derek Carr. So the reason... I think that Daniel Jones, they still believe that he is still, you know, he's younger. He's 25. He's still got room to grow. He's still got room to peak and he's kind of on his upswing. And with Jared Goff, you obviously kind of know what you've got. You've been able to see him in the league for seven years now. I think that if we were to bring be able to bring him in on like a four for 150, you know, so like, like, like a Derek Carr contract, I would probably be okay with that. Um, I would probably say, yeah, four for 150, um, you know, with 95 guaranteed. Sure. Let's give it to him. That basically puts him at a cap hit of about 37 and a half million per year. It's a slight raise from what he's making right now. Yeah. And he's done well and he played well enough to deserve it to earn it. Now, um, I'm hoping that Jared Goff, if that made sense to him and we were in that right position, doesn't try to get too greedy because if he's pretty much asking for anything north of 150, I think that's kind of like the line where I'm going to say, you know what, I am going to let this guy ride it out and we can draft a guy and maybe put the tag on Goff. Yeah. Uh, let him learn for a year uh, or, you know, tr- package him in a trade to some, or, you know, a tag and trade, uh, maybe possibly somewhere like Washington or, um, you know, some of these quarterback needy teams, uh, Atlanta, uh, Oakland. Yeah. Um, the Jets, you know, depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. Um, so I don't, I don't mind that. Um, but, but like I said, that's kind of where the line where I, I was kind of thinking. And then, um, you know, I, I'm hoping that in his mind, because he's got, it, he's got it made pretty well here. I mean, the fans like him a decent amount, the, uh, the coaches and the, and the GM believe in him. Um, and sometimes man, it's worth to, to take a little less, if you know that you're going to have a guaranteed job and you're going to have the, you know, the love and respect of your peers and uh, your coaching staff. So I'll say if Goff's like, if he'll take four, four for 140, four for 150, I don't mind it. Keep them. But if he ask anything north of 150, that's probably my cutoff line. And I say, you know, t- uh, tag and trade or tag them and draft and uh, let a guy learn under him for a year and, and kind of start the new, new regime. Yeah. So I would go f- I would go 43 as a cap hit. That'd be my tops. Obviously, I want to go to the 37 because that'd be great. But just yeah, so that's what, 170, 170 million? 172. Okay. So you're right there. Yeah. It's, I feel like that's a good bar- barometer. Now, what would it take for me to give this extension to Jared Goff? I need a division championship and I need a playoff win. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. And you I, forgot. I forgot you included that. Yes. Also yeah. same here. You need to win the division and you need at least one playoff win and you need another year with less than 11, less, less than 11 interceptions. Yeah. I think that even if Jared Goff went over the 11 interceptions, I think that if he won a playoff game, he won the division, it shows that, you know, what he, what we got building in Detroit is very, very, um, it's, it's obviously working and obviously Jared Goff is in the right place. And I think that if you if that happens, I think Jared Goff is more inclined to take a bit of a discount. I don't say he's going to take a discount because that's just ridiculous sometimes. And sometimes the union can get pissed at you if you take a discount. But what I'm saying is I think that it's more of an inclination that like he can be like, okay, I'm in the right spot. There's no guarantee that if I go somewhere else that it will be anywhere as good as I have it in Detroit. And I got weapons. I got an offensive line. And I'm – and you know he's going to have a run game. So, I mean, it's a, it's probably the best place for him. Now, if we weren't going to give Goff the extension, we would have to miss the playoffs, and it, he would have to look bad. Take a step backwards. Yeah, it would have to look really bad. But, I mean, you look at this draft, though, dude. Like, listen to the, these quarterbacks. Like, I know a lot of people don't follow uh, college football like I do, but – when you look at these quarterbacks for this was this this was from CBS the power rankings. At one you got Caleb Williams. He's a he's going number one overall no matter what. You got Drake May. You got Michael Penix. Those are three great quarterbacks. You got Jordan Travis from Florida State. He's pretty damn good. You got Bo Nix, Michael Pratt from Tulane. Who Michael Pratt might be one of the better quarterbacks in this in the country right now. JJ McCarthy. I like I like him as like a. I think he could slip in the late first round and you can get him next year. Sam Hartman is the same way. Jaden Daniels, Dylan Gabriel. There's this these are ten quarterbacks on this list. Is is, is uh, Quinn Ewers draft eligible next year? I don't think so. But I, you know the one thing about Quinn Ewers is he is uh how do I say this the right way? Um he is the white version of Anthony Richardson. Like you just don't know where the ball is gonna go. Like he, there's sometimes where he, there's sometimes where he has like these on the dot money throws, and then there's times where he's overshooting his wide receiver by like twenty yards. So <laughs> I remember he was playing Texas A&M, or no, not Texas A&M, Texas Tech, and he had Bijan and going up the field, and he overshot him by like thirty yards, and it was such an overshot that like. That even the defensive back who was who was covering Bijan out of the backfield, there was no way he was going to do it either. So it was like, holy mother God. But I like the quarterbacks next year, but I, I think that Jared Goff is fine. I think that to get the extension, we need to see the same kind of linear improvement that we've seen from this year. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, Jared Goff, you know, he's definitely – He's definitely warmed warmed me up. I mean, I've warmed up to him just because just seeing and I know that was a lot of your guys' points. Just seeing the contracts that people are giving out to like Daniel Jones, right? Um, yeah. Look, you, you you know what you got with Jared Goff. The only thing that I just don't want to run into is the Alex Smith effect, where you're you can't fully take the chains off of your offense because you have a guy with with. Um, physical limitations, but from what I'm hearing and what I'm, I'm kind of um, been kind of uh, seeing online a bit is that Jared Goff is like has been working on like some of his deep ball throws and working yeah. on his arm strength and and people are like oh well you know he's already been in the league so long you can't really get better at that stuff dude he's still fairly young I what, what is he 29 28 yeah something like that 28 7 28 he's young and here's the thing about it like I mean I there's he's... still time to get better I mean quarterbacks primes they like. I feel like their prime is like 28 to 34. Well, yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. His best years throwing the deep ball were, were with Brandon Cooks. Right. And, and Brandon Cooks was a speedster too. Obviously, Brandon Cooks, he's got a, he's got some issues because he's gone from team to team to team. But we've seen Jared Goff has his, have his best year besides this last year with the LA Rams and with, you know, a guy like Brandon Cooks who he didn't overshoot. He didn't do nothing. The, the the JMO thing where like he's got to get used to his speed, you know it's it's so tough when you're throwing the ball to a guy who is so fast and get, can get down the field faster than anybody that you're throwing to. 
Like, I, we think that DJ Chark is fast. We think St. Brown is fast. J-Mo is, like, hyper-speed fast. You know what I'm saying? It's like trying to catch a... It's like trying to catch one of those fast-speed trains and trying to catch a subway. It's a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, now J-Mo is a special kind of speed. And I know I, I was probably a little harsh on that last year because it takes longer than a game or two to actually, like... Dude, you're used to throwing um, to certain, these big guys and... Um, but you know, you know, it's it's different when you're like when you're throwing to a guy that has four six speed, and all of a sudden you get a guy that's like like four two four two speed. Yeah, it's, it's, you know it's, it's it's insane. And he, we heard Tyreek Hill saying that he would love to play with Jared Goff, and like I know everyone harps on the deep ball, but here's one of the things about Jared Goff that makes him different from every quarterback is the best quarterback in the league in the league, um, like Josh Allen and, and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, their best asset is throwing short and intermediate routes. Like, I, these guys like Jamison Williams and Tyreek Hill, like, they don't like those deep routes because those are 50-50 balls sometimes. They like those routes where they catch it and they're gone. And that's what Tyreek Hill did his whole career. Like, Patrick Mahomes never really threw, like, an 80-yard bomb to Tyreek Hill. I mean, yeah, sure he did, but, like, other times he just let Jamison. I mean, he may, I mean, he let Tyreek Hill make something out of nothing. He take a ten yard pass and take it the distance. Yeah, exactly. It's about you know, it's about getting your guys in the stride and in rhythm and letting them do their thing and letting them get that yak um, yards after catch. So, I mean, uh, but it is tough. I mean, it's it's tough to hit a guy in stride when you know by the time you go through your progressions, you look down the field and he's sixty five yards down the field and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, they're like, oh, shit, I got to throw this ball. But, like, yeah, like, Tyreek Hill and Jamison Williams, they have, they have unique speed. Like, it's just – it's unique. Like, you don't see many guys in the NFL like that, that they're actually, like, good wide receivers. I mean, we've seen fast wide receivers before, but usually none of them are – have been good. Like, Darius Hayward Bay that the Raiders drafted that one year. Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean, John Ross. John Ross. I mean – you need, you need to be – Oh, complete wide receiver, and James Williams has shown that. Who was who was who was homie from the Giants? Uh, Corey. Um, um, Kadarius Tony. No, not him. The other dude, the dude that was a first rounder. Oh, you're talking uh, about the guy from Baylor. Oh, damn, I forgot his name. Yeah, that's another one. The guy, who, Corey, Corey Coleman, Corey right? Coleman, Corey Coleman. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Guys that they're fast guys, but they just they're not wide receivers, and they're not what they're hyped to be. What I had, what I never understood is how they could not just be like John Ross, but like, all right, dude, just run streaks every play. We'll get, we'll get you one of these times. Like just never worked out. Well, from what I understand is like, okay, you can be fast as hell. It doesn't matter if you're fast. Like if being fast helps out a lot, but like in football, like it's about timing. It's about oh, getting yeah. on the same page. And like, well, well look how much separation Amon Ra gets. And he's yeah. not like the fastest dude in the world. No, he's not the fastest dude, but he runs routes elite. Like, Keenan Allen is another guy. Not a fast dude at all. The reason that he's so good at what he does is because his route running is elite. And every time the quarterback throws to him, he knows where he's going to be. Guys like John Ross and guys like, uh, you know, Corey Coleman and, and Darius Hayward Bay, one of the reasons that they weren't good is because they couldn't run routes the right way. Like, Tyreek Hill, the reason that he's so good is because of his route running and, like, the way that he can just – his burst. You know, yeah, you know, I think that there's a I, I always thought uh like JMO was kind of like he kind of reminded me of like a longer, taller, like um like Tyreek. He kind of reminded me of like a blend of like uh like a Calvin Ridley and a Tyreek Hill, like like kind of like he, a, he's a little bit taller. Last year when I was talking to someone, they they said that they kind of gave JMO a little bit like Julio. Where he's Okay, yeah, I could see yeah, that. But like obviously much skinnier. All right. Well, Julio is a beat. Julio was a, a monster, but he's just saying like it's a skinnier Julio because he can go up and make those contested catches, and then he could burn your ass on a screen. Like that's just the way it goes. Like even when Alabama, like he, everywhere that, that he was expected to be, he was, and that's one of the reasons that you draft guys like um, from Alabama, LSU, Ohio State. They play in offenses where the quarterback has to know where you are. To get you the ball, uh, on, a, on another route, on another uh, point with JMO, and this is something we were talking about earlier in the beginning of the podcast. Um, do you see any like 
issues with like he was like liking that Twitter post about going to get like Lamar. Like, well, I don't has, know. It seems kind of like he could be. Could he be has, like, yeah, he has thirty thousand likes on his Twitter. So, like, yeah, I mean, does he just like shit? Likes everything. Does he just like shit to like shit? I guess. I mean, he liked the post a long time ago where. Who, the best quarterback from the 2016 draft was Jared Goff. He liked that. He also liked the picture of some hit horrible rap album that was I clicked on and I was like, this is absolutely god awful. So the kid just likes he likes tweets, I guess. I mean, I'm sure the Lions are gonna c- come to him and talk to him and be like, listen, you gotta you gotta like figure out what you like like and retweet and don't do that stuff, you know. Send him to a social media course. I don't think he did it maliciously, like you know, on purpose. I think he just did it because, like, like so. Basically, what you're saying is don't look, don't look too deep into it. Yeah, because like you know, there was one time when I was on Twitter, where I am on Twitter, um, but there was a time on Twitter where I was scrolling past my Twitter and I hit the wrong button and I accidentally hit a a like button on this post that was like not something I like. You know what I'm saying? It was like. I looked back at like my likes and I was like, "Holy shit! Like, what the fuck was I thinking?" And then I was like, "There's no way I hit that like." So I can see how it can happen. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, um, yeah, I, I just I think that back on point with the whole with the whole offense and how it's clicking and everything. Uh, you know, we kind of got off track a little bit, but Goff is definitely a guy that you know he's a short and intermediate maestro. And I think, you know, building the offense around him, you know, was a smart idea because we can utilize his strengths and our team strengths. And for the right price, I'm down to bring him back. If uh, if it starts to get too pricey um, and he starts to get into, you know, like wanting like, you know, Lamar territory money, like, never mind. Like, go, go find it somewhere else. But yeah, and I don't think he's that type of guy. And I, I think he kind of knows the situation and where he's at in his career. I think that Jared Goff kind of he reminds me of a guy who he wants to be valued. And he wants to be – he's a loyal guy. You could tell he's a loyal guy. I mean, he went to Cal – he played football at Cal. Like, Cal's not a good, like, football school, but he's, he's you know, he's obviously smart and he's he's very loyal. And it, and it really – I think it really did uh, affect his performance when, like, Sean McVay's calling him out. And I think having a coach like Dan Campbell where, you know, Dan Campbell will call you out, but he means it in, like, the lightest terms. You know what I'm saying? Like, he goes – no, nah, man, you just can't do that, man. Like, you can't throw that interception. He knows that, man. Like, he knows that. You know, all the mans and everything. But, like, <laughs> that's just the way it goes. I mean, you if you're a player or you're, you know, you work for a company, like, you want to be valued and you want to be appreciated. And if you're not in a spot where you're appreciated, your performance is obviously going to be, you're always going to try to prove yourself, and sometimes that can go against you. So that's that's why I think... Jared Goff is willing to take the uh, less money and everything. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, um, yeah, I, I think that at some point you're going to have to either, I mean, they're going to have to commit to Jared Goff by saying that like, yes, this is our guy. Here's an extension or not by getting a guy that can develop. But at some point, like, I'm kind of ready for the conversation to be like, to be done with, like either he's our guy, let's go let him be our guy. Or like, we're moving on. Let's let him move on. Like I, it, I'm tired of it being the topic of discussion the last two years. Like he's done well enough to like extend his stay. So like, I don't know, let's, let's let it be that, you know, that's exactly how it is. And I listen, I, I think that, you know, when we started the, earlier this year on this podcast, you know, you were saying like, not a big Jared God fan, but I think everyone has turned the tides because they've seen what this guy can do. And, I mean, he does have deficiencies. There's no doubt about it. But, like, unless you're, like, Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, you, you have deficiencies. I mean, we look at Josh Allen, there's deficiencies there. There's deficiencies with Justin Herbert. I mean, there's not as many, but there is deficiencies. And sometimes they're bit, they're fatal. But I don't think Jared Goff's, I don't think Jared Goff's flaws are fatal. Like, I, he's he's went to a Super Bowl. He went to – he went and played one of the – biggest defensive Super Bowls we've seen in our lifetime where neither quarterback, one of the best quarterbacks of all time, Tom Brady, and Jared Goff went mano a mano with two of the best defenses in, on the, uh, in the NFL that year, 
and neither quarterback threw a touchdown, and both quarterbacks threw an interception. That was the first time in Super Bowl history that actually happened. Yeah. So, so that tells you everything you need to know. I mean, yeah, you don't want him to throw some critical interceptions, but, I mean, it's just the way it is. I mean, sometimes, you know. Well, and, and at some point, like, you know, on that big stage, I mean, you got to try to take shots, but if the defense is locking them down, I mean, it is what it is. You got to remember, you know, in, that, in that game, his running back wasn't Todd Gurley. It was Malcolm Brown. Where the, well, where the ex- fuck is Malcolm Brown right now? Exactly. And, well, one of the things, too, um, and, and we'll move on to our next topic about the mock draft, but another thing I wanted to kind of close up with on this topic here is that, um, like, look at how Jared Goff responded last year. Like, he was leading the league in, like, turnovers – or not leading the league, but he was close, top three in the league in turnovers when, it, when you count interceptions and fumbles. I mean, he let a couple go back. He threw a pick six and let a fumble go back for a touchdown. Like he was careless, kind of with the ball. But like, dude, you could you could either crumble and and lay down and and cry and be a bitch, or you can you can man up. You can grab your bootstraps. You can you know shake it off and like say, you know what, we're gonna take control of our season. I don't care for one and six. Like that showed me a lot about him and his game. Like that dude really turned it around the last ten weeks. Yeah, you know what they call it in hockey? They call it when you have a goalie who can like get shelled in one game and then come back in the next game and be absolutely phenomenal or a guy who like has had a rough stretch of play and he comes back and he gets like, he, he's, he's won like eight games in a row. Those are guys that you call, they have the it factor. We've heard Dan Campbell refer to it at the, at the combine. He's like, I'm looking for, Hey guys. man, I, I seen, I seen who's do some shit like that, man. Have a couple bad games. Then all of a sudden just rock it out. Rock solid. Yeah, I mean, you, you got some of the best players in the league. Like, I remember Tom Brady, he threw, like, he threw four interceptions, I think it was against the Cowboys. Next game he goes out, he's playing one of the best defenses in the league and throws six touchdowns. I'm like, okay. Like, <laughs> you just either got right. that, no, either got that, you either have that style or you don't. Like, you, it just it doesn't develop naturally. And that's one of the things I like about Jared Goff is that, like, the guy isn't scared. Yeah, well, it's funny he, because he's always been known as like, oh, the soft, pretty boy, Cali boy. Like, he, I think he's got a little bit more dog in him than people give him credit for. Yeah, I think I th- it's funny you say that because like, there's people that say like Jared Goff is a total. He's a total like. Uh, he seems like soft, sissy boy, like sissy boy, Cali he's, boy. Like. He seems soft, but like, there's people like I. There's a guy I went to high school with, or I played high school football against, and he he's in the NFL, and he played Jared Goff last year. And the one of the things he said, he was like, man, that guy is the most intense motherfucker I've ever, like, I've ever seen on the field besides, like, Brady and Burrow and Mahomes. And he's like, yeah, he's, that's a perfect place for him because he's got an intense coach who is just absolutely, like, you know, he'll set off the lonk alarms at Planet Fitness. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He's got... He's he had Deuce Staley on the sideline. Like this guy, like he's got the guys around him that are gonna support him. So, like the fact that I heard that from that that guy uh, saying that Goff is like he's he's a he's a hard mfer to play against. That tells me everything I need to know because like he was saying like, yeah, obviously when you play Burrow and Mahomes and Brady, you, you expect that, but you don't expect to get with a guy like Jared Goff. Like he totally sets you off. You're like, holy crap! Like what? It's like it's like it's like in the NHL, like Ovechkin, like he, he, you watch him and you're like, oh, he's just an offensive player. Then he just absolutely freaking unloads a hit on someone. You're like, okay, maybe maybe not, maybe not. Uh, All right. So in the next segment, we are going to be going over our mock draft 2.0. Obviously, last week we had the two point, we had the 1.0, and that was before the combine. And obviously, we there's people that are going to love what those combine warriors are going to do. And we're going to talk about it in the next segment, obviously. We're hoping that we can get these guys on our draft, like our mock draft, because that would be absolutely phenomenal. We'll get to uh, it. Hey, we tendered uh, Anthony Pittman uh, a, a contract today. I like that. Wayne State kid. He's a, he's a local kid. so he, I, Dude, he's a very good special teams player, man. He's a very well, good special teams player. I, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I like that we, we gave him the contract because his special teams is so important. And people Pretty sure he's a special teams captain. Yeah, people don't pe- – you know what I've been hearing, and I, I gotta just, I gotta tell people. And I know that we just, we're probably gonna end the segment, but like, if I hear another, 
effing person tell me that a kicker doesn't fucking matter, I will lose my effing mind. You tell me, you tell me a kicker doesn't matter. Ask the Dallas Cowboys last year in the playoffs if a kicker mattered. Like, ask Dan Campbell if a kicker that is reliable matters. Matter of fact, go ask the Baltimore Ravens if a kicker matters because there's a lot of times where this the Lamar Jackson has absolutely boned a drive and Justin Tucker and his his cannon of a leg kicks from 60 yards. Just shut up. Like I've been hearing this for a long time. Like, people are like, oh, you know, kicker doesn't matter. Dude, we have the best punter and one of the best punters in the league in Jack Fox. He matters. Okay. You can't get if you have a good punter, special teams is easy for you. You have a good kicker. Once you get past the 45 yard line, you're basically in field goal range. You're basically right. in field goal range. As you, you go, you know what? If you ever, if if some of you dumbasses ever get the chance to go ask Patrick Mahomes or, uh, you know, one of the Baltimore Ravens or go ask a lion back in the day when Jason Hansen was their, their kicker, go ask, t- go tell them that kickers don't matter because I'm sure, pretty sure if you asked Patrick Mahomes, he'd be like, yeah, a guy like uh, Butker really does matter if you ask the baltimore raven yeah johnson tucker saves our ass every game that's what happens when you have a good kicker and i'm glad you brought that up tyler about special teams because that's that's a major point and a lot of these dumbasses they don't get it but on the next segment we will talk about the mock draft 2.0 for the detroit lions me and tyler are going to give ours touchdown detroit lions they did it Welcome back to the Detroit Lions News Podcast. Tyler, he's in the car. I'm here. We're going to give our mock draft 2.0. Now, our, our mock draft 1.0 was not – the people thought we were, like, they didn't like some of our picks. Like, one guy, he didn't like our picks because he didn't hear of any of these people, which I, I tell him, you didn't watch college football, so shut the fuck up. Uh, And so <laughs> – but, like, it's the facts. Like, if you didn't watch college football, you're not going to see half these people. But in the mock draft 2.0, we know what the combine showed. We know what um, we've seen in the combine, the guys who are rising, the guys who are, who are falling. And one of the guys that I picked in my last mock draft is one of the biggest risers, and that's Brandon, uh, Braden Daniels, the kid from Utah, the, uh, the guard that I had. He's, he's risen up to, I think he's, uh, he's in the top 100 of uh, prospects right now. So obviously that pick is off the board now. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, there's obviously always people that fall in love with combine warriors, like you said. There's people that love, they fall in love with the 40-yard dashes and the, um, you know, the the vertical the, the vert, vertical jumps and the broad jumps and this and that and the other. Um, so, honestly, mine is not, it is different, but only because I took advantage of the fact that some of these guys were slipping. Um and I just happened to do mine on the uh, Pro Football Network. And I know you mentioned before that guy that kind of runs that is a little bit kind of uh, weighs a lot into like the combine. Um, so, yeah, with kind of like how I explain that, how that works, I basically took the guys that were available. Do I think this is super realistic that we're able to get all these guys? You know, probably not, because there's definitely some guys that will uh, fall and rise. But um, with the people that were available, I think. I have a little bit clearer of an idea of what I want. And there are a couple very, very strong possibilities within this mock draft that I had that I think are more than uh, more than possible for the Lions to get. So um, just like last time, I can go with my first two picks, kind of explain yep. a little bit why I'm thinking that, and then we'll shoot it over and we'll kind of go back and forth. So uh, I have the Lions in the uh, with the sixth overall pick in the 2023 draft. I have the Lions taking Jalen Carter, DT out of Georgia. Um, I know that some people think that that is a huge, huge stretch. I think the fact that he did miss the combine and the fact that there is a lot of word of people moving up into the top five, four quarterback. I do really, really think it's a realistic possibility that like three or four out of the top five picks end up being quarterback, whether it's a combination of Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, um, there are a few guys, um, especially with teams trying to move into that top five, uh, that see those guys as, you know, um, as potential long-term franchise guys. Um, I know I know Will Levis has looked pretty good at his combine, and, uh, you know, he's got a good strong arm. I think Will Levis has some potential to be a good quarterback. I know the Colts, Colts like him a lot there at four. 
Um, but yeah, man, I just see, I just, I, I see it a very much possibility. I, I wouldn't have seen, I wouldn't have saw it a possibility three months ago, two months ago, six months ago. The fact they did get in a little bit of legal trouble may hurt his, hurt his stock a little teeny tiny bit enough for us to be able to swoop him and grab him at six. I think he overall is a good guy with a good character. I just think he made a dumb mistake and partook in some activities, you know, that you, sometimes happens when you're 19, 20 years old and you're drinking and you got lots of money and fast cars. I mean, it, it's unfortunate, but I think he'll learn from it. And I think he'll be, I think he'll be a phenomenal man and a phenomenal football player. So I got Jalen Carter at six and then my uh, 18th overall pick, um, which I believe was the same as my last draft is Trenton Simpson linebacker out of Clemson. Those are two good picks. Um, yeah. I like Trenton Simpson a lot. He's really fast. He's really, he can be all over the field. He's sideline to sideline type of linebacker. Um, you take, it, it, it's kind of like you're almost kind of like mirroring a type of like a, a Rodrigo type, uh, a little bit like faster and speedier, a little less strong because Rodrigo has a, tr- a tremendous amount of strength for his size. But yeah. you take a guy that can go sideline to sideline on each on each side of your field, and then all of a sudden you got, you know, you shore up um, a guy in the middle, uh, which I'm going to take care of later. Um, I think that's a, a good a good situation for your linebacker course. So Jalen Carter, Trenton Simpson. Six and eighteen. Um, if that were to happen, I would, I would like that a lot. So with my six pick, I got the same as yours, Jalen Carter. Um, I don't worry about the character issues at all. I think that the character issues can sometimes be manufactured to the point where it's on purpose. Like we've seen it before with a guy like, like some of the headliners for character issues, and they fell in the draft was Warren Sapp. Um, Trayon Matthew, um, you can name a lot Frank of Frank Clark. Yeah, you can, Frank Clark. You can name a lot of guys, but I think that Jalen Carter has the upside. I think he fits a need. I think that it would be a total to pair him up with Lee McNeil and pair him up with uh, and you know put him on that line with Hutch and Houston and Pascal and everything. I think that would be fantastic. So that's why I went with him in the sixth pick, and I think he's a perfect pick for the Detroit Lions. To be honest, if he's there, you take him without any hesitation. Uh, I think that I don't care. I, I think that by the time this draft rolls around, I think that people are going to be like a little less, little less leery of his issues because I think they'll be put behind him. Um, it was my 18th pick. I have one of the, I have one of the best cornerbacks. I think that he's in the draft, and I know people like Christian Gonzalez. I know people like Devin Witherspoon. But there's a guy that's gone under the radar in terms of how good he is, how how talented he is. I don't care about his forty. I don't care about his. He had a good, pretty good forty too. But his broad his broad jump is uh what was it the broad jump or whatever was one of the best in the combine. That's Cam Smith, the cornerback from South Carolina. When I watched him at when I watched him play t- against Tennessee, he went against Jalen Hyatt, who is one of the wide receivers in this draft that's going to be going in the, probably the second round or third round. And he locked him up. And he was one of the only uh, corners to lock up Hyatt the whole year. Him and Cedric Tillman, he locked him up every time he was on him. He made Hendon Hooker look like Hendon Hooker. Like, he made him look really, really bad that game. And that was because Cam Smith was blanketing one side of the field, and they had a safety and a corner on the other side of the field, and they were just blanketing coverage. And they played so good in that game. And that game showed me a lot about Cam Smith because – he was basically their sauce gardener. He sat back there that they didn't throw once to his side. And when they did, it it was barely, it was almost picked off. Hooker got really lucky, but I like Cam Smith is one of the best corners in this draft. I don't care about Christian Gonzalez. I don't care about any of those guys. South Carolina cornerback Cam Smith is the guy to pick. If you're at 18 and he's there, you pick him, no doubt. Yeah, no, I like that. Those are good picks. I like Cam Smith. So, I, yeah, I, my, my other option, um, you know, at 18 would have been um, like a combination of like Gonzalez with their spoon um, or, you know, Cam Smith. I, I do, if they don't go linebacker, if Trenton Simpson is gone and they don't go linebacker uh, with that pick, because I, I don't really think there's a lot of Trenton Simpson is one of the only linebackers. I think that really deserves a top 25 pick. Um, but yeah, I definitely want, best corner available if Trenton Simpson is not there at 18 I want best corner available which I'm hoping is one of those three guys um so yeah at uh, 48 
and uh, 48 and 55, my next two picks, um, which is uh, what round two and three. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Those are both round two. Round two. Yeah. Um, yep. Those are both round two. I've got uh, um, Siaki Ika from Baylor, a DT at really the shores. Big, the big defensive tackle I had on my board last time. Yeah. Yep. It really. Uh, um, so I did double dip in a couple of positions here in the first one, double dipping in, in, into, into the DT was just because, I mean, Jalen Carter is a game wrecker and he is a beast. He's an every down player, but uh, Ika is definitely a guy that you could kind of fill into that. Like we talked about before, kind of like that snacks Harrison role where, you know, he is a big run stopper up the middle. He can, um, you know, he can eat up blocks. He can eat up bodies. He can, he can play on obvious run running situations yeah. um, and kind of, um, you know, it gives a lot of flexibility with the different sets of whether you want to have out there, you want to have, you know, Carter, Ika, Houston, Hutch, you want to do um, Ika, Pascal, Carter, Hutch. Gives you, you know, a lot of you, flexibility. Yeah. He gives you a lot of flexibility. Yeah. Like I said, you know, because Carter's the guy that can line up all over the line, but Ika, he's going to be your nose tackle type. So you're, you're investing heavily on, on the, um, uh... The defensive line and the line and, and obviously the defensive line because you got Carter and Ika. I mean, and just in this situation, I mean, there's there are there are there, there are a couple guys in play here if they're available. You know, like uh, like Emmanuel Forbes, um, if he's available, Drew Sanders if he's available. Depending on how the rest of the the draft falls, those guys are both gone by this pick in this specific mock draft. Yeah. Um. So I said, you know what, screw it. We're just gonna go best player available here at 48. We're gonna take a guy that can just like eat up blocks and, and, and plug a plug a hole in. Um, I mean, we haven't really had a big old strong, you know, run stopper since Snacks Harrison. And we really, I mean, he only really had like yeah. above average production for two seasons. Yeah. And that's, 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 that's what you have to do is to get a guy who can stop the run. And I can only imagine him and Ellie McNeil on a run down. Going yeah. Yeah. And then, and then yeah. in the 55, I had uh, Noah Sewell out of Oregon to uh, take care of that middle of the field problem. Um, it's between, it was between on that pick. It was between Jack Campbell and Noah Sewell. Um, either one gives you kind of a different dynamic that you could build um, like certain defensive sets and packages and just schemes around. Um, I think either way you go, whether it is um, Sewell or Campbell, I think you need a middle linebacker out of this draft. Um, and either one of those guys should be able to provide you enough IQ and talent to uh, kind of, you know, figure out the middle of the field. Yeah. And I think that that's, those are two good picks. And um, we're actually going to be on par with that because with my 48th pick, I got um, a guy that you had in your last mock draft that I'm, I'm going to steal. And that's Cansey. You stole Ika. I stole Cansey. I got right. Cansey at defense tackle. He was so impressive at the combine, and he wasn't just impressive at the combine. I watched pit football. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a degenerate. Okay, I watch pit football, and one of the things that you see is like, yeah, he's a little bit undersized. Yeah, he, you know, he's not, he's not like uh, your prototypical defensive tackle. Uh, but I just want to pair these guys with Jalen Carter and Kalaja Kansi, and when I could put them on, you know, different downs, like. I want to give Lee McNeil some, you know, rest during during some of these downs. I think that would be crucial. Um, I don't know if you're going to sign Isaiah Bugs. I don't know if you're going to sign John Kaminsky, re-sign John Kaminsky. So I had to go with guys that like we it's depth and on the defensive line we're going to reinvest the line. Um, and then 55, I had the same pick as you, Noah Sewell, and um, I like Jack Campbell a lot, right? I like either, either one of those guys makes sense at 55. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it, those are both good prospects. And if you can get either one at 55, I mean, it just makes sense. Yeah, I mean, 55, no Sewell. Like, the guy is a – he's a total Dan Campbell-type linebacker. Just mean, nasty. Is going to play the – you know, he's going to play really, really well. And I think that I, I like Hansi a lot. And I like Sewell a lot. I think they both have that grit to them that Dan Campbell likes. And um, I know Sewell – Listen, I, well, I, and, how, and how much is that going to fit into like, dude, Panay Sewell, dude, they're going to, dude, he would love it. They would love having the brothers there. Yeah, man. but not was, only that, but like Noah Sewell is, he, unlike Jack Campbell, I can play, put him on the outside if I need to. If I go sign Levante David, if I go sign Bobby right, Wagner, right. I could put him on the outside. 
Jack Campbell, I worry about can I put him on the outside because No, yeah, he's a, he's a middle he's a middle piece for yeah, sure. Yeah, it's, it's a middle linebacker and obviously like I do like Jack Campbell a lot. I think he's one of the best linebackers, but my in my thoughts last segment last uh last podcast, I told you we were going to go get Levante David and that that was one of my guys we were going to go get. So I'm it's in my head that we're already going to get Levante David, so I'm, right. I'm not even worried about a middle linebacker. I'm worried about who can play the outside and Obviously, you can mix Derek Barnes in there, and then if you get Levante David and you sign Alex Anzalone to a new contract and you have depth at the linebacker position, sign me up every day, minute of the day. Yeah, 100%, man. I I agree. I like. Uh, I definitely right. like those picks. So get to your next four picks. Yep, my last four picks, we got 81. We have DJ Turner. Um, I don't think he makes it to 81 at all. Um, I, I was surprised, but, you know, every draft you have guys that surprisingly fall in the draft. Um, this guy I think is going to be a late day one or an early day two pick. Um, so, you know, I'm thinking anywhere from like the 25 to 40 range for DJ Turner personally. Yeah. But, uh, in this situation fell to 81. Um, and so, I mean, you got to scoop him. I mean, that's the third round, I believe. Um, so you gotta, you gotta take him there if he's there. Um, and then um, rounding out my last three picks, I, I mean, DJ Turner, by the way, I mean, he had like the fastest 40 time out of anybody at the combine, I believe. Um, he ran like a 4-2-6 and, um, you know, he put a decent tape together at Michigan. Um, yeah. You know, there's still some areas that he can improve on, but I, I think that, I mean, you can't teach speed and you can't, you know, you can't teach certain things. And it's nice to have a guy that, I mean, the I don't remember the Lions last time. I don't remember the last time the Lions had a 4-2 guy in their secondary. That, that, that'd be helpful, you know, if ever. Um, and then, so my last three picks, 154, Braden Daniels, your guy, the guard from Utah, yep. just a nasty guard. Um, guy, I mean, he'll, he'll slow into you and just give you the business. Um, and then the last two picks, uh, which are, I'd totally swagger Jack here, but it just makes sense. Um, I've got uh, DTR, Dorian Tom Robinson, out of UCLA, and then Jake Moody at 194. It's like we copied drafts because at 154, I mean, at 81, I have Sam Laporta, you know, tight end out of Iowa. I think he's going to be a really, really good player, uh, a good tight end. And I think pairing him up with Brock Wright and pairing him up with Shane Zillestra and James Mitchell, you know, obviously one of them is going to get cut. But, like, if James Mitchell, Sam Laporta, and Brock Wright are your three tight ends going in next year, I like it on the both the passing game and the running game. Uh, one fifty four. I have Chase Brown, the running back from Illinois. Um, he is my guy. He surprised me a lot. The combine. He is, a, but he also has great tape. He is a beast. I like Chase Brown a lot. I think he's one of the most underrated line running backs in the in this draft because you know everyone likes B. John Robinson. They like Jameer Gibbs, all that stuff. Chase Brown. He's just. A, I think he's your prototypical running back that you want in like. Uh, you know, especially with the offensive line like the Detroit Lions have, obviously it's going to help a lot. Um, I got DTR as my pick at 183. I think that when when uh, Brett Holmes said that they were going to try to develop a quarterback. Oh, he's a perfect guy to develop. He's got a lot of really, really favorable traits. Yeah. He just needs a little bit more time. He's just raw. I mean, if he doesn't pan out as a starter, he's a good backup, and that's all that I care about. Like, I'm just looking to get a good backup quarterback for Jared Goff because – God forbid Jared Goff goes down. Nate Sudfeld was not carrying the water. And then at 194, I'm obviously going kicker too. I'm going uh, Jake Moody from Michigan. You can you can split the hairs between Jake Moody and Chad Ryland. Chad Ryland, he's a Maryland kicker. Uh, he was a transfer from Eastern. That kid can kick it out of the midair. And I, for all you people that keep telling me kickers don't matter, shut up. Kickers absolutely do matter. And, uh, that's why I have the last pick a kicker because you need a kicker. I'm not big on Michael Badgley. I think he had a good year, but when you're when when Brad Holmes comes out at the end of the season saying, "Yeah, we hope he misses one early, so you know he can make one late," uh, not a really a good indictment of your kicker. Like, yeah, sure. not. And so I, I, Jake Moody, I think is a, a he's a he's a clutch time kicker. I think he reminds me a lot of a guy who. He doesn't get down on himself when he misses a kick. I learned that at Mich when he I, I learned that watching Michigan 
when he missed a kick, the next kick it goes through. Like he doesn't really let it get inside his head. And that's something we talked about earlier with Jared Goff, uh, me and you, Tyler. Um, so with the one pick I, I the one pick I take away from your your draft is DJ Turner. I don't know what the how Michigan was thinking because the fact that they had a guy who ran a four two forty anywhere on their team and they didn't have him involved offensively in the kick return game in the punt return game serious questions about Jim Harbaugh and the way that he didn't even know that because to be honest yeah man no doubt because when you got a guy like that that's it's elite speed I mean DJ Turner he has a good tape at Michigan he's a little bit handsy um sometimes he's a little he can get turned around a little bit quickly but when you're that fast like you could get you could just make up ground in no time. And so that DJ Turner pick is pretty, pretty, pretty good. I like that a lot. Yeah. I, um, yeah, man, I, I think, you know, it's always fun to do these, um, but I'm really excited to like, I, I, this is one of those, like, like we talked about plenty of times, this is one of those times where I'm really excited to just see how it falls and like what, what Brad Holmes does, because I am like so excited to, start evaluating these prospects and watching these guys and see how it fits in. Like last year, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, I mean, I, you know, I, I pretty much knew we were taking Aiden if he, if he fell past Jacksonville, that was kind of uh, you know, a no brainer, but trading up for JMO and then like getting Pascal, um, you know, which a lot of people was like, you know, some people really hated, but a lot of people were like, no, this is a super underrated draft. Like this guy, when he's healthy is a straight dog. Um, it was just, it was fun, you know, it was fun and, you know, for, it, it was cool to watch and cool to see them develop. But like this year, man, like this is the year we're going to start to put it together. So this draft is going to be, I'm, this is the most hyped I've been for a draft. I think my whole life. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited because Brett Holmes, a shown and he's shown that he can draft, you know, one of the picks that I loved the most last year was Malcolm Rodriguez. I loved that Rodrigo pick. I mean, I watched him at Oklahoma state and like, you know, Oklahoma State's not a defensive juggernaut, but they had a good coach in Jim Knowles. And one of the things I learned about that Oklahoma State team is how they fly to the ball. And I'm interested to see what Brad Holmes does in this draft because I think that he's going to go after guys similar to a guy like uh, Noah Sewell, guys that have a little bit of grit to them. But I think that he's going to go for – it depends what he does in free agency. And free agency starts next week. You know, we're going to know a lot more going into next week. What did you think about Dan Campbell, man? He said that only uh, four guys out of the 30 they've interviewed really had that it, fa- it factor. It just makes you know that, that it just lets you know that they're looking for something very specific and they're not just going to draft any Tom Dick or Harry because they posted a, a good 40 or they, you know, had a good season. Like these guys are looking for something very specific and obviously it's working, but only yeah. four guys out of that 30 had the it factor they were looking for. And you know what? If you have that it factor, that's what, that's, that's, that's what, that's what wins you the games, dude. Well, and plus, if you can properly evaluate and find the it factor, I mean, that's a hidden talent. I mean, how many guys really can find the it factor from the GM or coaching position? I mean, they just pick guys to pick guys because they're good. But, like, if you're able to, like, sniff out that it factor and you can kind of lock it down to a science, I mean, dude, we've got our, you know, our our drafts are going to be in good hands. Yeah, when you're GM and coach, they can identify the factor. That's that's absolutely crucial, and and when they can do it on the same level as each other, that's even more of an indictment. Because like, it's one thing when you have a good general manager, but your coach is kind of a dimwit, you know, dimwit, and you're like, you're like, no, dude, like, come on, like, this guy has an factor, and he's like, no, let's draft, uh, you know, Aaron Curry. It's like, okay, or let's draft, like, let's draft, um. The, the one numb nuts from uh the Raiders, uh, Cleveland Farrell. Like, okay, why? You know? Exactly. You, you just drafted him because of talent, or did you draft him because he's got a legitimate factor to his game where you can go, okay, this guy's got the he's got the goods to where, you know, if he's challenged that he won't get he won't falter like a lot of these players. And when you looked at Malcolm Rodriguez last year, he had the it factor too because you know, he's a smaller guy, but one of the things he does really, really well is, like, he never got down on himself at all last year. I mean, same with Hutch, same with Pascal. You know, we've seen, you know, we've seen these guys come from the Brett Holmes drafts, and they're, 
you know, even James Houston, he didn't even make the squad to start the year. And he comes out and he's like, screw it, eight sacks, let's go. I'm like, okay, that's a net factor. Hell yeah, man. Well, I'm super excited to see what this looks like. And we're we're not too far away, man. I think the uh, the draft's in, like, what, about a month? Yeah, like, we're, like, 50 days away, I heard. Okay. But we're, like, next week starts free agency. And that'll be interesting because we'll have, obviously have emergency pods. I think that's what's going to have to happen. Because, like, if, so if, if something – if, like, Levante David gets signed, like, holy shit. Or, like, someone gets – or Jalen Ramsey's traded alliance. Like, we are definitely doing emergency pod. Fuck it. Like that is, that is big. Oh yeah. It's so, that uh, time. It is that time of the year, and obviously these mock drafts are gonna change. Obviously we had a, we doubled up on positions, but it's okay because you 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 can never have too much talent at one position. I'm ready for it, man. I'm All right. So next it. next next week is gonna be a big episode because obviously, free agency starting, we're starting to get the the juices flowing. A-Rod might be leaving the division, going to the Jets. Man, you know what's going to be funny? Watching him in New York. I, that is going to be comical. But we will get to that next week on the Detroit Lions News Podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, and make sure you hit the notification so when we do an emergency pod, you get it right to your effing phone. So don't like, don't be a dimwit and just wait for it to come up on your feed. Just, Just – Subscribe to the notification, subscribe to the podcast, and we will keep you entertained through the free agency period up to the draft, and we will have you a lot of great content for you guys. So we will see you next week on the Detroit Lions News podcast, and we will see you next week. All right, y'all. See you later.